Welcome to Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on episode 17 today is Liz. Hello. Hill. Hey. And Zabine. Hi. With episode notes done by Matt, Kata, and myself. Ask somebody else then. I don't want to know about weddings. No, and you never will either. The next wedding round here will be me and Brace. No. He wouldn't. It's me he cares about. If he cares so much about you, why has he left you again? What did you do this time? It wasn't me. It was you. Me? Are you crazy? Running after him and kissing him like a tart. It was him that kissed me. I don't have to run after any guy. They run after me. Well, if you're so wonderful, why do you have to ask me about... Because we don't go jumping into bed with anything in trousers. I don't. I never did. No. Just did it to get a baby. Was that it? Because that was the only way you could get to Bray? That is not true! He only wants the baby. His brother's baby. He doesn't want you. No! So, episode 17, the screenplay was done by Anthony Reed. It was directed by John Reed, and the episode synopsis will be read out by Liz. Bray has been captured by the Locos, and their new leader, Ebony, wants to know everything he has to tell about Zoot's whereabouts. Meanwhile, it's wedding day for Zandra and Lex. But can all possibly go off without a hitch? Spoilers, no. <laughs> I was like, spoiler alarm. Absolutely not. I want to say, since we're in this episode, I want to say this about Ebony and Bray. They are such bitter exes. I know. You, I didn't pick oh. up on it right away. But when I went I back, love it. They are like Radigan and the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> you can totally tell these two dated and they hate each other right Dude. now. But they still kind of want each other. But and the part is- of me is like, will you please just go get a hotel room and smush each other's faces? Yes. Like, get it out of your system. Oh like, my god. off into the woods and just get it out of your, like, just do it. Everything they say to each other, you suddenly when you realize later that they were a couple, you're like, oh, I totally oh, yeah, get it right. now. These need these two need to find a bush and work it out because they haven't yet. Like they still want each other and they hate each other, and there's like, this tension between them, and it's like the first scene that. of this entire episode. They're like verbally having sex, and you're just like, oh my god, like stop. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, I, he'll, no they, I, that's they exactly are. what they're doing. They are verbally yeah. going at it with each other, and it, it's fantastic. And I didn't know that at first. I was like, what is the deal with these two? But when I go back, I'm like, it's so freaking obvious and in my face. Right? But she actually says it. Come on, Bray. All you got to do is tell me what I want to know, and then maybe you and me. Yeah, and then he's like, in your dreams. and like- yeah, He reacts just like a guy who's been dumped and like, I don't want you anymore, but I totally yeah. want you. <laughs> You wouldn't say that if you knew my dreams. Will you, you too just you knew my dreams? Get Woo! naked and get it over with. <laughs> Please. They never get over this sexual tension. It takes them a no. long time. They're those two who just they never got proper closure for the relationship. I, I I just love how Ebony calls him out on being such a nice, clean looking boy. I don't I, I just love Ebony's lines in this. It's so obvious what she's hinting at towards Bray and like what does it feel like to know that I can do anything I want with you? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once you find out away with it, whereas when Lex would have said that, it would have been so wrong. It's oh, yeah. interesting. Once you know these two are a couple, everything they say to each other has more context. Mm-hmm. And they were, um, mm-hmm. it was a bitter breakup. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, she dumped him for his brother. And Bray clearly didn't take it well. He does not like that she dumped him for his little brother. You know? Uh, and like I said, they're just bitter exes. And you can hear in everything they say to each other and what they say about each other. They never got that closure from each other. Bray will eventually get over her, but she won't get over him, which is interesting. And um, what I did think was cool. Um, is that Ebony, she keeps threatening to do terrible things to him, but as long as he keeps his ground, she can't bring herself to do anything to him. We never actually see her do anything to him. She keeps screaming at him, just tell me where Zoot is, Just and she's yelling, she's getting louder and more like aggressive, but Bray says nothing, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. does nothing in return. She cannot bring herself to do anything to him physically, which will continue. She can play mind games with him. She can mess with his emotions. She can never physically harm Bray. She can't yeah. cross that line. You know and what I mean? I think Bray probably knows that because he, like, he's living it. Like, he realizes... And he can say whatever he wants, and she's not going to do anything. Yeah, I could go real dirty with that, but he knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. You ain't going to do nothing. Yeah. But yeah, you know I won't. Like, no, it's, it's kind of like the reverse of Lex and Sandra. Like, they're doing the same sort of cat and mouse game. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. No, I, I know. I, I think it, it is. It, it's kind of the same. Uh, Brian. Uh, Ebony do play the same cat and mouse game of exes. There's so they they toe the line of doing terrible things to each other and come back from them. And they are always trying to come back together, no matter how much they've been through. You know, Bray always wants to believe the best in her because of that special time they shared. I that's why I'm convinced that Bray only sleeps with women he cares about. Because Ebony was one of them. And the way he treats her mm-hmm. the next three seasons, he treats her as someone he thought highly of and cared about and is always willing to try and yeah. forget no matter what she does. You know what I mean? And like I don't know. Maybe the breakup was really bad, but they thought maybe they would never see each other again. And suddenly, like, the world ended. And now it's like we're forced to be around each other just because of the way the population is. And they're like, dang it. Why? I don't think he, like, I don't think he ever stopped being attracted to her. I, mm, I don't. Yeah. I think every time he sees her, he remembers what he thought of her in the beginning—a sweet girl—and then he has to always remind himself she's not sweet. She can't be trusted. It's a trap. It's really hard for him, you know. Um, Akbar is always telling him, "Bray, don't fall for it," you know. Um, and she yeah. wants to do that for him, but that's not who she is, and. So yeah, this is the beginning of that dynamic, and it's strong. It's a very strong beginning. He's not afraid to defy her. He could easily just tell her, my brother is dead. You know what I mean? He could just say that. There's no reason Brett can't just tell the locos he knows that Zoo died. You know what I mean? And yet he refuses, and he's not worried about what she'll do to him. He's daring her. Come on, do it. Do it to me, you know? And she's just like... Yeah damn it, you know I can't. You know what I mean? That We've shared way too much. Um, yeah. he, he knows he won't do anything to him, but he's also, like he mentioned before to Trudy, 
that Ebony should never find out for, well, basically for Trudy and Brady's sake. And with all the bad things that I can say for about Bray, he will protect them if he has a chance. Even if it's against Ebony. I will say you do have a point there, Sabine. Whatever he thinks about Ebony and their breakup and whatever that is, and we'll get into it further on in the season, he clearly is concerned that Ebony would cross the line when it comes to Trudy. For whatever reason, you know, he feels that way. He is worried enough about Ebony and her predilection for violence that Trudy and her child wouldn't be off the table. You know, like he knows she wouldn't hurt him. He's not worried about his ex-girlfriend doing anything terrible to him, but he is concerned about what she might do to Trudy and the baby. So that, that does, does some validity there. That yeah. he, saw, he saw something in Ebony before the breakup that made him fear what she might do to perceived competition, you know? Okay, let's uh, move on to what becomes a theme for the show, which is our, the first of one of many casualties and character disappearances. Um, oh. yeah. yeah. Though we're not officially announcing it just yet. Um, this is the first episode where Paul isn't seen, uh, and we'll find out obviously later on that he has left. Um, yeah. What are your immediate thoughts about the loss? Well, the loss of character. What do you think? My first response to not seeing Paul was that he saw what outfit Sandra picked out and decided to run for the hills and <laughs> didn't show himself for a bit. They do talk about that. Like, they, they say that. Hill, that is the point. Um, oh, they, yeah. th they bury the lead with Le yeah. uh, Paul's disappearance. They're very clever about it. Um, it wasn't until the end of the episode that I realized that we should have known something was wrong about Paul mm -hmm. not being seen. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. up until this point, no matter what anybody else is doing in the show, every character is always visually accounted for. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, no matter what they're doing, no matter how pointless it is, if Trudy is sitting in the room sulking, we see an image of her sulking. Even if nothing yeah. she does affects the storyline, she is visually accounted for. So mm -hmm. it wasn't until the end of the Even episode. Brady is. Right, exactly. You know, Bob, you know, and except for like the chickens, everybody is visually <laughs> Chicken <laughs> accounted watch, for. Wait. Chicken watch, we haven't had chickens in a while. So. When I it wasn't until the end of the episode that it occurred to me that should have been a red flag that we yeah. were never given a visual of what Paul might be doing, where he might be, you know. Um, it was very disguised, but yeah, it it really sh we should have noticed, we should have realized something's so, not right. Baby brain Hillary didn't realize it until probably series two. Um, baby brain Hillary was very dumb and oblivious to the fact that Paul was gone. Um, adult Hillary is actually very sad by it. Um, mostly because I guess I know sort of the backstory of why the character disappeared and why we lost Zachary as a cast member. And it's just one of those, like, I, I feel bad because it is hard to be someone with a disability such as, you know, you know, hearing, um, disabilities and, not having that rapport with people and it just kind of makes me sad that that's that's kind of what they chose to do is like brush him under the rug it is sad um i admit even at watching the show as an adult i didn't pick up that there was something wrong that we hadn't yeah. seen paul in this episode i was just as distracted as everybody else patsy is conveniently distracted by the wedding that she doesn't think there's anything weird about not having seen her brother for the day you know yeah. what i mean um it, it's very well written in 
but it is sad how easily it was written in how easily they were able to take this child and make him disappear. just disappear you know mm-hmm. um because we're all distracted by the wedding even patsy's distracted by the wedding and so when they say we couldn't find paul it's and you're just like, oh, easy. Like, oh he's just didn't want to wear those wedding clothes of course not and your brain doesn't catch up on the fact that we haven't seen paul this entire episode where is he that's weird and yeah i i think it's yeah. so sad how easily paul was written out and then it just it kind of became like the joke like when characters disappear it's like oh you did a paul like you just kind of fizzled and it makes me sad it does Part of me feels like it makes no sense for Celine not to go looking for Paul. She was distracted too. But here's the thing. It's convenient because of the way it was written and with what was kind of going on behind the scenes. Like, they didn't have to look for him because he wasn't coming back. It was very conveniently situated so that every character who should have been concerned about Paul in this episode has a reason for not thinking about Paul. You know what I mean? And by, the time by the time they can become you a catch concern, up, they're already gone. You know, it's yeah. done. Uh, so, like, even Patsy, she doesn't notice her brother has been missing all day because she's been caught up in her bridesmaid's dress and the flowers. And even Celine is totally having a great time making this a good day for, you know, Sandra. And so it's easy to excuse they're not noticing Paul has been. And they just assume Paul didn't want to wear the clothes. He. Somehow yeah. understood that he was going to have to be participating in this, and he's not the only male who doesn't want to participate. If you'll notice, yeah. Lex doesn't even dress up for his own wedding. You know what I mean? So it's easy to sneak Paul's disappearance. I, I know, but it just it doesn't rub me wrong because they were at some point they were like hiding, thinking they were in danger, and at that point nobody wondered about Paul not being there and where would he be? Because we're distracted. Like, there's so much going on. In the last, what was the last episode? Didn't Like, the episode before, what was it? When it was 14, they just had a freaking party to celebrate Chloe coming back. They are clearly become very comfortable and they're not as afraid of making noise. Mm -hmm. You yourself pointed out that they used to be afraid that just the baby crying would be enough to draw Mm -hmm. people in. But they clearly aren't anymore. So, you know, we've had Bray. Bray goes, comes and goes as he pleases. No one's afraid of her anymore. Chloe ran away. She came home. So Paul is missing for the day. Nobody's panicking at this point. They've just become very comfortable with their situation. And the writers were extremely clever at taking advantage of this to excuse Paul's disappearance. True, and I mean, they had to do something, but it's just... I wish we got closure for the character, is really my biggest issue with it. Especially for Patsy's sake, when it comes up, I do wish Patsy had gotten that. Like, I'm not the biggest Paul and Patsy fan, like, they're not characters that I necessarily enjoy, but I, of the characters that disappear, Paul is one of those who just never gets, like, the... I've gone off with my own tribe. Like, I found a place where I feel like I belong better. Like, he just kind of fizzles. Of all the people who disappeared, I will admit, Paul was the only one I was ever truly concerned about. Yeah. I I never cared about the others who disappeared. I I didn't care about Charlie. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, I forgot Charlie disappeared. I was worried about Paul. I really was. I was like, why would this boy leave his sister? Why would he go away from her? 
she took care of him and he can't hear him he can't hear in this world he does have that handicap and he needs his sister to get by I I never stopped worrying about Paul. <laughs> I never right? Did. No, I'm I'm in the same boat with you, Liz. Yeah. And I just I wish we had that because it makes me like I hope you're doing well, Paul. I know. You're yeah, like, I hope I really hope, worked out for you. I hope you found a, a community of people, a tribe of people that all had co- cochlear implants, and you guys <laughs> all you guys made it work. I, it's weird because when you think about the first time you watched it. You thought nothing of it. Oh, no. You know, and we've had 20 years to think about the loss of Paul and what that means. And it definitely has more importance after 20 years of thinking about it. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. It took me forever to realize, oh, this kid ain't coming back. He's he's a a plot thread that will never be clipped. Like, (laughs) no. In the wind, you know. Um, Even with we, when we lost other characters... Come back, like, and Paul never part. comes back. You so are waiting leave, for the, yeah, you're waiting yeah. for the closure on Paul. So if they leave, happened. they give you closure. Like, uh, Patch, Patch and D wrote a letter, and mm-hmm. spoilers and things. Yeah, but like, I, at least said, hey, this is what happened to us. Don't yeah. come looking. You know, we're and fine. that's the thing. Like, the one person that he had a connection to, he left without closure for her. Yeah, in Patsy, like nothing. Like, he could... left his sister with nothing, <laughs> right? But I mean, then again, she does yeah, have Chloe. We'll get to the other yeah, the circumstances <laughs> later, but never rubbed right with me. Yeah, I didn't like that. Sad. It's 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 a limitation of what the writers can do when an actor is gone. There's only so much they can do to patch up that hole as much as possible. And I feel for that, but I also feel bad that we never got the closure for the character yeah, yeah this is definitely one of those characters there's just no closure and it's, it's unacceptable that we got no closure yeah yeah very funny guys so yeah speaking about the loss of paul um it's obviously quite sad because we have the other members of the mall bonding quite well and we see that with um dal and jack talking to ryan about a gift for lex's wedding um and we have some like net some like good gestured like ribbon as they both hum the wedding theme to lex. i love that that's like <laughs> my like, favorite yeah. <laughs> it cracks me up every time it just goes to show you the, the bonds that the guys have all formed yeah um, yeah what do you think about that like I said, it's my favorite. Like, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I just think about, like, Jack, you know, 17 episodes ago, where Lex, like, scared him. And, like, you know, you couldn't mess with Lex because he's a big bad guy. And now they're, like, harassing him. And it's funny. Yeah. And, like, you're still kind of not sure if he's going to get you back. But it's okay because you hope he won't hurt you too bad. <laughs> it also gives um some validity to Tysan's claim of what this wedding even though yeah. he's completely ill-advised to make these two people get married, it does bond people together. It yeah. gives them something yeah. to celebrate. It really does. People are having a really good time preparing for this wedding, getting ready for it, thinking about it. Tyson's not entirely wrong. They're all having a good time getting ready for this stupid wedding that should not happen. Oh. <laughs> and I think part of them probably know that, so they're just kind of like 
having fun with it. You're just having fun with it. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, we all know this is a terrible decision, but if we're being forced to do it, why don't we just kind of go balls to the wall and just have fun? We've all had that friend where we're at a party and we've all been drinking too much. And they're like, call me out. I'm going to (laughs) jump off the roof into the pool. We know it's a bad idea, but we're like, stop for it. I want to see this. Okay, you call me out about the chicken wing, now you're calling me out about parties, jumping off roofs. Seriously, we'll build them the cardboard wings, we'll give them the roller skates, we'll put sparklers on the skates. We want to see you try this. It's going to make the party, it's going to be great. We don't care if you Mm -hmm. die, because we're going to have a good time. And that's how everyone is. They know it's a bad idea for Lex and Sandra to get married. But like Tyson said, it does bring them together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's like, we have to see this train wreck. <laughs> we have to see this. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. So it, yeah, it's very cute watching everybody just like, oh, jump on board with this. It's it's a cute <laughs> thing. It's a fun mm-hmm. thing to focus on. And I just found it adorable that the boys, or at least that Jack and Dell are talking to Ryan and then they're suddenly realizing that Ryan truly believes Lex is gonna do whatever it takes to make Sandra happy. It makes me so sad because Ryan wants to believe the best in his friend. You know what I mean? He is concerned about Sandra's happiness and he's like, Lex, you do love her, don't you? You do care about her. Are you gonna take care of her? You know, and Lex is lying to his face going, oh yeah, totally. Because Lex knows he has to lie to Ryan's face. Because otherwise, Ryan would be, he would be the first one to tell Zandra, bail out the plane. This thing is going into the mountains, okay? Just jump Mm -hmm. out. So he has to lie to Ryan. And Ryan trusts him. He wants to believe in him. And he's like, okay, if you say that you're going to take care of Zandra, you guys' happiness means way more to me than anything else. And it does make me sad because he really wants to believe in his friend and he really wants Zandra to be happy. And that's the only reason he's supporting this because he loves the both of them. You know what I mean? It's like, there's something heartbreaking about that, that Ryan loves this girl, but he is willing to stand back and support her marrying his bestie because he loves her and he loves his best friend. And he thinks that will make them happy. And he's that kind of friend. You know what I mean? And he's he's really concerned about that. Just tell me you love her. You know, just tell me that you're gonna mm-hmm. take care of her, man. And and yeah, Jack and right and Jack and Jack and Dal, no. Lex just told them. It doesn't mm-hmm. it's not real, it doesn't matter, you know. So it, it's not a big deal. And yet here's Ryan telling them, No, he promised me he'll take care of her. And they're both looking at each other like, he has no clue, does he, you know? And it's kind of heartbreaking, you know? There's also something really just adorable and beautiful about someone who can love the bride or the groom and love them enough to watch them marry someone else and still wish them all the happiness in the world. Right. I mean, have you ever had to watch someone you love be with someone else and not you? And yet, be able to give it all your heart. That's hard. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really hard to say, you know what? I'm going to let you go because I love you enough that I just want you to be freaking happy, even if it's not with me. Like, wow, that's love. That is a lot of love to have for someone. And I can honestly say at that age, I didn't have that kind of love. 
I would have been petty AF. There's no way I could have watched the boy I was crazy about be with my best friend and sincerely been happy for them. I would have smiled in their faces and been waiting for the train wreck. I would have been coaxing the train on the track to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) There's no way I could have been like Ryan. Like, bless your heart. (laughs) He's so sweet. Yeah, sticking with the wedding. um, Let's look at everyone's motives behind it. Um, So you've got player one, Zandra, (laughs) who obviously wants the wedding because it will help bind Lex and keep him faithful. Uh, you know, player two Lex, who obviously wants to do the wedding um, because he doesn't believe it's valid, and it will get him what he wants with Zandra. And then you got player three Tyson. <laughs> he wants the wedding because it will bring everyone together as a big a tribe. And then all of a sudden comes player number four Amber, who challenges Tyson about her motives for the actual wedding. Um, yeah, what did you think about all these different motives? And was Amber right about? Tyson yes. making it look good. I feel like Tyson really just wanted the wedding to watch, like the to stir the pot. And like we all know this is a bad idea, but let's watch this combust. I've always believed that Tyson is somebody who she doesn't really know the implications of all these beliefs that she holds. Somebody told yeah. them to her. And she's a child holding up to them, but she doesn't really know what it means to have these beliefs or what it entails. And so she can be very frivolous with them and irresponsible with them. And uh, I do believe on some scale that she just thinks this is kind of cool. You know, that she can give this advice to people and they take it. And she takes zero responsibility for what could happen. You know, the hot mess that could happen if these people follow her advice. She doesn't personally care about Lex and Zondra's well-being or whether they should actually be together, or if that would be healthy, or if Lex might actually hurt Zandra. She doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, she's just in the moment of, this is pretty cool, they took my advice, and isn't this awesome? Um, And then you have Amber, who actually really does care about what happens after this little wedding. You know what I mean? She does care about what's going to happen to Zandra. She does care about what Lex might do to her. You know what I mean? It's not as easy for Amber to just be like, oh, yeah, let's have a fun wedding because she's concerned about the aftermath and the disaster that could entail. She takes responsibility for that kind of thing. So seeing those two ideas clash against each other is very interesting um, because I'm on both sides. I do feel like Amber tries too hard to control everything. And Mm -hmm. that's an extreme you can't have. You can't control everybody. And you can't make Zandra stop wanting Lex. <laughs> I'm sorry, Amber. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, so, you know, Tysan is right. And just like, dude, this is the reality. She wants him. Let's help her get him in a way that works for the both of them. But at the same time, I feel like, Tysan, you don't even care about these people. And you don't care what happens to them if they follow your advice. You don't care that this could destroy both of them. Because you take no personal responsibility for the advice you give people. And that's dangerous. She she later does a bit. Oh yeah, eventually she will. I'm saying right now, she doesn't. She does not care what is going to happen to people who listen to her. Mm -hmm. 
eventually Tyson will grow up and start to care, but that's down the road. Right now, she doesn't care. She doesn't care what's going to happen to Tyson. She doesn't care what's going to happen to Zandra if she marries her freaking abuser. (laughs) Like, that can't be a pretty picture. But she doesn't care about that. She is kind of excited about the fact that they took her advice and they're doing this and it's going to be fun, you know? And Amber's right to be concerned about that. Like, dude, are you freaking serious? How do you think this is going to be anything but a hot mess? Yeah, did it, did it surprise anyone at all um, how observant Tai Sam was at getting under Amber's skin um, and knowing that she had someone that she loved? <laughs> Tai Sam sees everything and not just in her crystal ball. That's what makes Tai Sam interesting. Like, on one hand, there is a lot of validity to the things she says, and there's a lot of truth. Yeah. Like, I never sensed danger in the mall. There are several times Tyson has been right about that. She, yeah. it was, it, there was no danger in the mall. There might have been an intruder, but the intruder wasn't dangerous. You know, and there are other times when she's totally wrong. But that is the thing about spiritualism. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Sometimes it's about numbers and chances. <laughs> yeah. So... I think it's really interesting that, you know, Tyson totally cottoned on to Amber and read her number and understands her, but at the same time, doesn't fully understand her. You know, she's like a horoscope. Most horoscopes are going to be about 80% accurate mm-hmm. because they're actually pretty broad in their, yeah. you know, yeah. projections. And we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how accurate it was. And it's like, no, it wasn't actually that accurate. It's broad. just... You want to perceive that, and that's why psychics and horoscopes work because they don't have right. roots. Right. <laughs> Here I am. Where have you been? Can't you hear the alarm? I've been meditating, preparing myself for the wedding ceremony. If we get attacked, there won't be any wedding. Now give us a hand. There's no need. What do you mean? I sense no danger. What, so you saw it in your crystal ball? <laughs> I don't need a crystal ball to alert me to the presence of evil. Never mind all that. Just get stuck in. Yeah, the intruder alarm system that goes off due to a fault in the wiring. Um, Let's just talk about the surrounding situation. Did anyone feel anything for Trudy? Um, Not caring if the mall got invaded or not? Did anyone, like, connect with her? I'm kind of over that, though. Like, that's been her thing for so long now. I'm just like, girl... It wasn't unique that she didn't care because, unfortunately, she hasn't really given a damn about anything. That's her thing. I was surprised though that she didn't instantly go looking to see if it might be Bray that comes back. She's completely despondent at this point. Unless Bray walks into the room, she has cut off. Mm -hmm. You know, she's completely inactive. Like she's, she lacks the ability to do anything about her position. She's not going to Amber. She's not looking around the mall. We've seen her in her manic phase where she goes around looking. This is how despondent Trudy is. She can do nothing but just sit there and wait for something to come to her and change the situation. She's literally just standing at the shore waiting for her sailor to come back from sea. And she can do nothing else right now. That's the frame of mind she's in. Mm -hmm. That's how dramatic and depressed she is right now. She doesn't care. And I think the whole point of seeing her react that way to a potential invader says something about her state of mind. She doesn't give a crap. Someone could come and burn them all down. She doesn't care. That's how bad she feels about what's going on with her. She doesn't care about the safety of her child or herself 
Bray is gone. I don't know how I'm going to get him back. That's where she, her head is. And there is something kind of comically funny about her response to the alarm system because the whole thing is like a comedy of errors. You have Zandra who's like, I broke a nail. <laughs> and, and then you have Tysan who pops in and Amber's like the only one taking the, her and Lex are the only ones taking the alarm series. is kind of like, la di da di da you know, Tysan wanders in and Amber's like, where the fuck have you been? Can you not hear the alarm? And I feel like the whole thing is meant to be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Amber and Lex are the only ones. I think because we, once again, we really haven't had a threat. Like when the alarm has gone off, it's been Bob or like nobody's even tried to evade, invade the mall. Like the last people who tried were also Trudy and Bray. Like, so but that, that's actually really cool because it sets up the, remember when we were watching the episode with the kids gambling and it was mm -hmm. like ha 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 we're all having fun and then the all of a sudden the end of the episode it's jack's been caught and he's gonna go on trial we weren't expecting yeah. that it's a tonal shift i feel like this is the same this thing a, yeah it's a yeah. felt sense of security oh it's just the alarm acting up nobody's actually really afraid and then boom they're actually in somebody breaking into the mall you know and that's the thing it's it's causing you to look the other way um, mm -hmm. So it's a smart thing to do. Great, great misdirection. Yeah. And there's, uh, yeah, I, I do think that's pretty cool. Um, I do love the rapport between Lex and Amber. You know, she, like, she's the yeah. only one who seems to remember. Lex is in charge of security for a reason. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if he says that you need to do something, she's on board. She actually trusts him to keep them safe. That's why she put him in that position. And I love the fact that Lex knows if there's anyone who can organize anyone in the mall, it's Amber. So it's the first thing mm -hmm. he says, Amber, you take care of the women and the children. <laughs> and right. Says, yes, I got mm -hmm. this. Go save us. Go protect us. You know, and they're the only two who have that understanding, which makes me ship them with Hill. Because I have to admit, there's something cool about that. I'm just saying, it, and that yeah. is a thing. It's really cool that they seem to get each other like that, you know, where yeah. nobody else yeah. is taking But they were like, no. Do we have these roles for a reason? Let's let's follow them. Yeah. You know? and, um. So I think that's cool. Uh, and I think but, you know they're starting to realize that they work better as a team that way. Like anyone in the tribe, mm -hmm. not just Amber and Lex. Like, but then we have our roles for a reason. Genu genuinely hilarious because yeah. of how comedic it is. Like how few people are taking it seriously. Like you literally you have the alarm go off. You see Trudy come out, see what's going on, and then just huff away into her room. You have she's, <laughs> she's like, I don't even care if they burn this place down. Like she has to care. I think even Bob has like an like opinion. Like even Bob is like whatevs. He doesn't bark. You have Zandra who's like, I can't go out there because Lex can't see me. And Amber has to just come on, grab her arm and it's very, yeah. it's meant mm -hmm. to be hilarious. Like, so I think that's part of what makes you not take it seriously. So that when, you know, it, yeah, when it really does happen, and which call it comes back, you're caught off guard. It's a false yeah. alarm and it's meant to make you feel like everything's safe. It's not serious. Mm -hmm. It's not real. It's good use of tension and tone shift. The tribe really does make you almost a, another character. Mm. Kind of. Mm -hmm. By, like, luring you into that, like, oh. Like, does a good job of making you feel like the characters should. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, um, I remember watching it as a kid and growing up and, like, 
ingrained in me is if I heard a police siren, like, oh, the locos are coming, like. But I still feel that way. <laughs> like, I don't know. It sounds dumb saying it out loud, but it does. Those were always it's, my my. It's first a tribe thoughts. fan thing. Any tribe fan knows. You hear a police siren, you think locos. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Thanks for making me feel better about. It. <laughs> or I think Glenn. I'm like, it could be the demon dogs. Oh, yeah, their patch. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, let's jump into round three, um, where we see Celine's teasing turn really nasty as she accuses Trudy of only sleeping with Zoot to get a baby to ensnare Bray. Uh, yeah, first question: Was she right? She was being. Yes. <laughs> I do not think I will. I say I don't think Trudy. She clearly did not sleep with Zoot to get a baby. The last thing this child wanted was a baby. I think what Celine meant to say was that she slept with Zoot to get it. That is true. She did sleep with Martin to spite his brother, but she certainly didn't plan on getting pregnant. You know what I mean? But um, it's just a nasty way of snapping at somebody, attacking them where they're weakest. She doesn't really have a defense against this. She did sleep with Martin because she was mad at Bray for hooking up with Ebony. And that is true. You know, she was hurt, and she was spiteful, and she felt depressed, and she admits the world was ending, so who cared? So she did it. Um, and she did not do what Celine accused her of. Definitely didn't sleep with Martin in hopes of getting a baby to get Bray. That's the last thing any girl... Even, even what she said before that. Celine just says... Well, because we don't go jumping into bed with anything in trousers, as if that Trudy was not around cool. with everyone. Yeah, that I'm, I'm makes me crack up. That was not cool. The way she slut shaming was just mean. It's wrong, and the thing that's a problem. A lot of women were taught to slut shame each other, and it's not cool. You know what I mean? Like Celine has this high and mighty attitude. She's a virgin, you know. Um, and. The Breakfast Club says it best. I don't know if you guys seen this movie from the 80s. Yes. I love you, The Breakfast Club. If you sleep with someone, you're a slut. And if you don't, you're a tease. There's literally no mm-hmm. right way to be. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. a woman, you can't say, I don't want to do that because you're a tease. And you can't say, I embrace my sexuality because you're a slut. And when I was growing up, I remember that was a really hard line to tread. That's why I said I could write the book on how not to be a slut. You know what I mean? Like That's mm-hmm. how me and my friends had to live. Because that was their biggest fear, being slut-shamed by our peers and by the boys and the girls. And so everything you did, you were navigating that line. How to do this without being called a slut, <laughs> you know? I don't think it's cool that Celine slut-shames uh, Trudy for having sex. Like, give me a break, you know, <laughs> just because you haven't. And... um I, I really feel bad for Trudy because I understand that it is ingrained in girls to feel guilty for having done that. And it takes Trudy many years to get over the fact that, yeah, she had sex with a boy that she didn't love. And it's not the end of the world. She didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? Um, it takes her a while to realize that she hasn't done anything wrong. And I get her reaction. I would have punched the crap out of Celine. Yep. <laughs> Like, how dare you? I embraced my sexuality, okay? That is not a crime, you know? Um, maybe I should have been safer, true, but <laughs> it's not a crime that I had sex with a boy that I wasn't in love with. That doesn't make me a bad person. 
and it doesn't make me a skank. <laughs> it's like, where do you get off? And you have Celine, who's so high and mighty. I've never, I would never, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you totally would if Bray asked you to, okay? Stop acting like you're better than Trudy because you haven't had it yet, you know? And But unfortunately, that is a thing girls are taught to do to each other. Yeah, but she would have never slut-shamed Amber. Because if, Amber hasn't done anything. That's yeah. No, but Amber hasn't. Selene assumes. She assumes that, Amber hasn't done anything. That's why she doesn't slut shame. Yeah. That is, a, that is something women are taught about each other. She immediately assumes because Amber doesn't fall at the feet of guys and that she doesn't make herself a, you know, open to them that she couldn't have possibly had sex but we will later see that amber has a way more broader open and mature view about sex than any of these girls do because she doesn't feel the need to talk to anybody about it we never know if bray or sasha was her first because guess what it's nobody's freaking business you know what i mean Mm, yeah yeah and so yeah celine is making assumptions about amber because she's been taught to make those assumptions about women in general. It says a lot about how women have to uphold themselves in society because we judge each other. We're taught to judge each other. Trudy had a baby. That must mean she's a slut. Like, for Pete's sake, she went home with a boy after a dance and things went further than, you know, she would have preferred, but they did. And whatever. And yet she's got to carry this weight like a freaking scarlet letter forever? Give me a break. But that's what society yeah. does to us. And Celine is exemplifying that ideal. Like she looks at Trudy and she sees a big letter A on her chest. Yeah. You're because you had sex with someone you didn't love and you had a baby and that makes you something. And it's like, uh, wow. <laughs> this is what we teach our daughters to think of each other. Mm-hmm. That's, that's impressive writing, again, in a kid show. And I do believe that Celine is totally in the wrong, but I also understand that this is what she's been taught to think. Yeah, I, I just can't excuse her, sorry. No, I'm with you, Sabine. I don't excuse it either. I think it's wrong, and I think Trudy should have given her another punch in the face. Yeah. I would have pushed her down the stairs. That's what I would have gone for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to do some permanent damage. Over the railing she goes. Um, yeah, I totally would. <laughs> I would have done some damage. Because <laughs> uh, she's holding herself really just high. Yeah. But, but it's she's flipped completely after she learned Bray is not the father. Because at first she was like, oh, you must be so happy, so lucky with a dad like that. And like in the beginning, she's all for Trudy being happy with a guy and having a baby. Until she learns that it's not the father. Exactly. She, When she first meets them, she judges them according to what she sees. And Bray is a good-looking, nice guy. So, oh, it's totally acceptable that Trudy's had sex with him and had a baby. And she doesn't mm-hmm. judge him harshly. But as soon as she finds out that Bray's not the father, that Martin slash Zoot was the father, and now she doesn't like Trudy, she is judging her harshly. But it also has to do with... When you're angry at somebody, when you don't like somebody, mm-hmm. you're going to say whatever works to hurt them. Like, even if you don't really feel that way, you're going to say it because that's effective. So let's say you're caught at a traffic light and an accident happens 
and you get into a fight with a person in the car in front of you and they come out and they don't have a leg. If you're mad enough, you're going to say something about them not having a leg. Even if you personally don't have a problem with people with missing appendages, you're angry enough to use that against this person. And that is where Selene is. She doesn't like Trudy enough that she's willing to slut shame her over something that is clearly not something to be shamed of. Trudy hasn't done anything wrong. And later on, you'll see Celine's attitude towards Trudy completely change. But right now, she's mad enough and hates Trudy enough to use this against her. Mm-hmm. That's just human nature. And yeah. she's, yeah, but she's also just rubbing it in salt into the wounds with a, ah, you'll never, you'll never want to know about weddings because the next one will be me and Bray. Oh, wow. Wasn't that presumptuous? And see, this yeah. is why she didn't get Bray. Because Bray was like, you are too needy for me too. I can't. I can't with you. Like, that's a big leap. You guys just kissed. <laughs> Slow <laughs> down. <laughs> Come on. She's defending herself with a, oh, he kissed me. I don't have to run after any guy. They run after me. <laughs> She's just, yeah. ah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. She's I just want to smack her silly. She's be- behaving like a child. She definitely is an immature um, motive of arguing. Oh, cringe at that scene. Yeah, it reminds me of like Jerry Springer. It's like, oh. Exactly. It really is. It's very immature. And Bray, that's the problem. That's why her and Bray don't work. Because she's doing the same thing to him that Trudy is. Putting a lot of expectations on him that he doesn't want. And, um... Yeah, here she is already talking about their wedding. It's like, you guys kissed once by freaking accident. You know what I mean? (laughs) Slow down, Celine. But she's already latched on to him. And it's a really petty teenage girl argument. I've been in one or two of them. You know, and I mean, I didn't want to. I tried very hard not to be petty and vindictive when I was young. Everyone, join hands. We need to combine our energies to create good vibrations and auspicious feng shui. Breathe and concentrate. We must balance the yin and yang in perfect harmony. Zandra, come to your husband. Uh, Let's move on to the happy occasion, um, the wedding. Uh, First question, what did you think about Zandra's tribe style? awesome i freaking love it i love the wedding like ensemble that was think about it these guys are living in the apocalypse and even then zondra manages to come up with a theme wedding fantastic do you know how fun that is come on really hard Go she manages to find all this stuff and make it look well her, her type of classy yeah. it looks cute yeah I love the bridesmaids' dresses. They were so cute. All the tool and the flowers. Mm-hmm. They were adorable. And um, I liked her wedding outfit. Yeah. I like the process of getting ready for it. And um, how easily you can get caught up in the excitement of it. So much that you ex- ignore the reality of your situation. Celine doesn't care about the reality of Lex and Zandra as a couple. She knows it'll be a disaster, but whatevs. Let's have fun now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and she even says it to Amber. It's just a bit of fun. That's how Celine sees it. Like, I don't care what happens to you guys. Let's have fun getting ready for your ridiculous wedding. And Zandra is so excited about it. I know that feeling. I remember that feeling. 
And it's the first time you see Chloe really bonding with a human being. Like she's bonding with Patsy as they get dressed. Even though they had that messed up skirmish with their school stuff and it looked like it wasn't possible for Chloe to make any human friends. Here she is getting dressed as a bridesmaid with Patsy. And I think that's the beginning of something beautiful between the two of them. And, uh... Oh, it's it's cute. It can be easy to get caught up in the whirlwind of wedding planning. And you can see that Zandra would probably have been a bridezilla in a different way. <laughs> Not a terrible bridezilla. She wouldn't destroy too many buildings, but there would be some casualty report for her. Kel would have been worse. Did it surprise anyone that Zandra didn't pick out Lex's tribal, <laughs> tribal wedding style? Like, he comes... Surprise me a lot. I oh, kind of assumed right. he would just tell him what to wear. Yeah, that's what I thought. But he, he ends up not wearing anything <laughs> than usual. I think it's a setup for a contrast for their relationship. Now, you'll notice right now, Zondra has very little expectation of Lex. Like, he attacks her and she forgives mm -hmm. him, you know, and she's happy that he got her a necklace that he found. In the antique shop. That's enough of him being sorry and giving her that is all she needs to forgive him. As their relationship matures, she's going to have higher expectations of his behavior. And if you'll notice, I don't want to go too far in the future, but spoilers, their next wedding, she expects him to dress up. <laughs> she expects him to put some freaking effort into their relationship. I think it's set up as a contrast. In this one, Lex doesn't bother. He doesn't care. He's not interested in whatever the planning is. He's just here because he's hoping to get laid. That's it. Mm -hmm. And it's a contrast to the next time they do this, how far they've come as people and what they expect of each other and what they're willing to give each other because it's a whole different scenario. Right now, this is just Zandra's show. This is Zandra playing pretend and everybody's kind of on board with her. But it's really just her game. And later, there's a definitely deeper poignancy to what's happening. So I, I, I think it's set up as a contrast. Like, so it was actually reading over the notes and like the question of what did you think of um, Bex's ensemble? I was like, I thought that was like a rehearsal wedding. Like, I didn't, like, I thought maybe like, oh, we're going to run through it real quick. And then later tonight, we're going to do the real thing. Like, I never thought that it was a, the actual wedding the first go round. Well, that makes sense because of the attitudes of the people involved. Yeah. Except for and Zandra's the only one literally taking, but, her and Tysan are the only ones taking this seriously. But, but that's Zandra. Like, it's, it's the rehearsal. It's supposed to be legit because I'm, it's my thing and I want it to be perfect. So. No, because Zandra was so adamant that Lex wasn't allowed to see her before the wedding itself. But. If they're practicing for it. Yeah, but she believed it was bad luck to see him before the wedding on the, on the same day. I still don't buy into that just because, like, usually, like, I've always been led to believe that you have a rehearsal, like, before the wedding. Not everyone Even does. with it being bad luck. I don't know. Well, it's definitely the real wedding, obviously. Um, yeah. Like, if you listen to all the conversations, this is the wedding. But it's definitely meant to make you feel that it's not something to take seriously because... Zandra and Tysan are literally the only two people taking any of this seriously. Maybe Ryan, in a way, because he seriously is trying to write a speech and he seriously cares about Zandra's happiness. But yeah, 
Zondra and Tysan are the only ones who actually care about this. Nobody else does, so it makes perfect sense that Hills didn't think this was the real wedding <laughs> when she was a kid. Like, is everybody's so lackadaisical about it? But yeah, it is a real wedding. Um, but I think that's the point that it's it's that's kind of the joke in the mm-hmm. writers that these are children playing at being adults, and they're so not prepared for it. Zandra is playing at her fairy tale princess fantasy, and she's the only one there. She's the only one in the fantasy. Everyone else is just kind of like poking fun of her. You know, nobody else takes it seriously. Not even the man in the fantasy takes it seriously. And um, again, it's set up as a contrast to later. Yeah. You know, when these these two tie the knot where it's actually given some weight and seriousness because they're both a little bit more mature and ready to take this step right now. Sandra's basically on her own. You know, she's on a tandem bar- bike and Lex is not pedaling. <laughs> she's not aware that she's the only one pedaling the bike, you know? I, I had to laugh, though, because you have um, Bray coming in during the wedding. And he's just looking around with what on earth is going on here? I love just the fact that he walks in and doesn't even address the fact that he's been gone for like two days. Mm-hmm. Like, he has any right to ask, what's going on here? Like, where have you even been? You know, oh, and, and then Celine grabbing his hand and him rolling his eyes at it. That's an interesting moment. I was actually thinking, watching the wedding, and Tyson tells everyone to join hands. Look at who joins hands. Lex doesn't join hands with anybody. Because, again, he is not invested in this wedding. Um, but, you know, Amber takes Bray's hand. And they give each other a look of understanding, like a sense of they both know this is total crap this is total mm-hmm. like ridiculousness but kind of funny and then Celine takes his other hand and he gives her a completely different look like he's already like man I just got in the mall and I don't want to deal with this <laughs> <laughs> not prepared to deal with it. it's such a subtle difference mm-hmm. I loved it I was like again he wants to be with Amber you know what mm-hmm. I mean He's not really that into Celine. She's just pretty and easy and until she's not easy and he's like, ah, crap. <laughs> she's easy and accuses others. She's like, oh, I knew you'd come back to me. And Bray's like, eh, sure. To you, sure. Sure. I just want how he just casually came back. I do oh. like what Lex says after that. Um, the alarm goes off. Because, you know, Ebony followed him. And like Lex says, you stay here. If there's trouble, I don't want you at my back. For all of Lex's flaws, I completely agree with him here. Because Bray has not proven himself to be dependable in any way at all. Mm -hmm. You can't depend on this guy. He just left them all for like two days and comes back with no explanation whatsoever. You know, he left Trudy in such a state that her child is crying for hours. And he has nothing to say about it. I'm with Lex. Like, dude, I don't want you watching my back at all. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that and Bray, because that's just something that really annoys me. That Bray's escape. Like, he's been captured by the Locos. He, he knows Ebony. He knows what she's like. And who did he think had freed him? Like, that whole scene really annoys me. I, I don't know what you guys thought, but I... <sighs> it was so obvious that Ebony f- must have freed him, and he would have known she did. He, he would have known. Like yeah. he knows Ebony. He knows the whole situation with the Locos. Like, yeah, 
he, he also knows he couldn't lose face towards the locos. Oh, it just drives, yeah, it drives me insane. That whole he will admit later that he knew somebody cut him loose, but he didn't see anyone trailing him. You know what I mean? That's his excuse. He just didn't catch anybody following him. But that's, that's kind of one of the pitfalls of writing. You'll see it time and time again. Whenever writers have to make somebody seem super smart, they often have to make other characters seem super, super stupid. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it over and over again in the tribe that whenever a really smart character is introduced, every other character's IQ has to drop several points in order for this character to be smart. Mm-hmm. And so for Ebony's plan to work, Bray has to lose several brain cells. And like, right? It's it looking at her. It happens all the time. Like, it's just a pitfall of writing smart characters, and you're not sure how to write them smart. So you have to make everyone else pretty dumb, you know, in order for them to be able to get away with their smart shenanigans. Bray should have totally suspected her. I always feel like the, the tribe has, like, the A-team writing and the B-team writing. And, like, you can <laughs> almost tell, like, who's writing what. When you start looking into things, because you're just like, real, like how, how? You know what it is? Okay, you had mentioned way back when we first started talking that in order to slip through these really dark subject matter, that they had to let a lot of certain things slide. And I yeah. feel like sometimes they have to let, for example, a plot point slide in mm-hmm. order to get, um, you know, something totally. like. A, a subplot in there so it's like okay we need to get ebony into the mall because we're gonna have some yeah. heavy stuff happening so we're just going to use the laziest way to get her there awesome. and yeah. include much more deeper plot points like whether or not zondra should yeah. marry her potential rapist you know what i mean exactly <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. and yeah and i i kind of and that's why like when fans are so hung up on certain things i'm just like you're kind of missing the point yeah like, i really don't care that Ebony slipped Bray out and, you know, followed him and all of that. Like, because at the end of the day, what is accomplished and what we wanted to see happens. And I don't need them to dwell. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Definitely. It's it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yeah. Just for the, like, the meat. I don't need the... Potatoes are great, but I'd rather, like, sink my teeth into some other stuff. See, Lance, that's why you don't see the chickens, baby. That's yeah. I need a a full balanced meal. I need the whole (laughs) Um, It seemed like this that yeah drive me insane. Like there could have been a better way for me to get into the mall. Like Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, But it's Uh, okay. And then of course you get, you know, Bob just being like, yo. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing here? Like (laughs) I just love the fact that Ebony was chased off by a dog that had flowers on its head. And that is hilarious. Right? That's funny. Like he's just barking at her. He's got a mane of flowers, and Ebony's like, "Oh, you're too real for me," and she runs. <laughs> and Bob, that know so you funny. look. He looks good. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Ebony, Bob, Ebony, <laughs> just like, nope. <laughs> it's almost like you instinctually. This is the dog that took down Zoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> In that scene, when Ebony enters, 
that's like the one moment you actually see Trudy fear for herself and Brady and like take a step back with a, with a look of, oh crap, it's Ebony. Yeah, Trudy's reaction was really good. I like that. Her facial expression says so much in that moment. At the same time, though, I want to be like, this isn't about you. Jeez, you drama queen. Just stay in your room. That's where you've been for days. Nothing's going to change for you. She didn't come yeah. here for you. But she was warned by Bray that if Ebony were ever to find out, she'd be in trouble. Which I think was a little dramatic for Bray. Because it was. Ebony doesn't give a crap that Trudy had Zoot's child. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. I, I don't. Again, I feel like that's a bitter ex girl, like boyfriend girlfriend thing between Bray and Ebony, where he wants to think the worst of her, but at the same time he doesn't want to think the worst of her. We'll get into next episode. You'll see him yeah. um, toe the line with that. One minute he wants to think the worst of Ebony because he's mad she dumped him, and then the next minute he'll say like, "Well, you can trust her more than my brother," because he still thinks she's hot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's still thinking like those, those long summer nights they had together. You know what I'm saying? So um, I can't oh, always trust everything Bryce says about Ebony, even the mm -hmm. whole "Don't ever let her find out about the baby," because it's just like Bray, you just. You're, you have unresolved issues with your ex-girlfriend. That's all this is. Oh, I, I know that, that that's what it is, but Trudy believes everything that Bray says. She doesn't believe everything Bray says, because she certainly doesn't believe him when he says, we shouldn't be a couple. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, <laughs> when he says stuff like, um, beware of Ebony, she will take that advice. Yeah, that's true. What, the more dramatic it is, Trudy will believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's how us drama queens work. <laughs> yep. I, it's also just a part of making it about you. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. any situation you can make about yourself, you're more likely to jump on board. And so it's like, oh, Ebony will want my baby. So I need to be worried. And it's like, Ebony don't give a crap about your baby. Hate to break it, do you? Yeah, so we have... Obviously, Zandra's wedding, dream wedding ruined, and we have, oh, I, I, I like this scene where Anne basically slaps her hysterical Zandra. <laughs> I love, I love her it. For a comforting hug. It's, it's, I think it's a really nice like, little moment between the two of them. Yeah, what are your final thoughts of the episode? The whole wedding is a comedy of errors. Like, if you're actually paying attention, you know this is not going to go through. You know something's going to happen. Just the way everyone's acting, everyone's behaving. The groom isn't even dressed. He does not care. They're supposed to have this, this love circle of everyone holding hands. The groom has got his hands tucked under his armpits. He doesn't give a crap. There's something absurdly humorous about this whole thing with the bride totally into it. Where, is, where are my bridesmaids? And we couldn't find Paul. It's all going wrong. And it's hilarious. And then... You have Bray stumble in, interrupting the ceremony. I feel like the whole thing is played for a joke. You know, like, none of this is meant to be taken serious. Nobody believes in this wedding except for Zandra and Tysan. And then Yui Ebony walks in and, like, what is this? It's, for me, the whole thing is hysterical. It's so mm -hmm. funny. So, ending it with the slap and hug by Amber... <laughs> <laughs> Because the way Zandra falls apart, and even Lex is like, get it together! <laughs> she can't. And, you know, Amber's been the parent the whole time with Zandra. 
like she she tries to come in stern like any parent if you found out your teenager was about to run away with some horrible kid you would be like you'd put your foot down you're like no you you can't you're not gonna do this and then your child slams back you can't tell me what to do that's what Zandra's doing to amber i love him i don't care what you say and here's amber just like trying to hold on to her child i care about you i worry about you and of course when Sandra falls apart she has to slap some sense into her and hug her I love you still <laughs> the whole thing is just hilarious the whole thing it's meant I feel like it's meant to be just one big freaking joke I think it, it just it sets up for the showdown later down the road too which is why I always thought that it was just a rehearsal like, it does feel like a rehearsal it's not the real thing no you know, you can't be the real thing when there's only one person committed to the idea of it. Exactly. And then, like, they go through this hurdle, and then the next time around, you know, it seems more committed. And it's even filmed differently, you know? Yeah. So, I, I agree with you. I can totally understand why. It just feels emotionally like it's not meant yeah. to matter. It's like they're playing yeah. house. Zon yeah. Like, Wayne even says, it's just a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? to amber like calm down amber we're just having fun and zondra's like no it's real i'm i'm gonna marry him and i love him and everyone's just kind of nodding at her like whatever <laughs> sure yeah. sweetheart yeah pat her on the shoulder sure sure but yeah it, it's it's not meant to really be taken seriously it's just kids playing at being grown-ups this whole wedding that's all it is it's zondra playing at being a grown-up being married, doing, living the fantasy, you know? I still do think it was quite a smart move to put this in there, though. I mean, it, it gave them a chance for Tai Sans safe sex talk. Yeah. Something that Which, shouldn't magically work in. Which was also, you know, getting to the meat of something, like, that's what you need. Yeah, I like the way it was inserted without feeling um, preachy or, hey kids, this is what you should do yeah. about sex. It made sense the way they got there. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. Sandra hasn't it had good. it and she's got questions and, you know, the speculation of who she can ask about it mm -hmm. and um, coming finally to Tysan. And, and I, great advice. It was fantastic advice to give to yeah. Amy. This is also, you know, back to baby brain, but it was even really weird, like as a kid, like, who can we ask? I don't know. Do you think they've had sex? And then they all kind of come to the same conclusion that, wait, Trudy has. <laughs> and you're like, oh, they know this because she has a baby. And that's what happened. Whoa. <laughs> Blew my mind as a kid. <laughs> again, I was nine. <laughs> it was like the connective tissue came together. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mind Whoa, blown. That's, Whoa. that's what they mean by that. Wow. That's how Brayden came to be? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, honestly, did not catch that maybe the first time. It, it is a good... There's a lot of great conversations in this episode. Yeah, um, without being, you know, overly... Yeah. You know, without preaching to the kids, they're giving them long-lasting impressions of what they should think about certain things. And I think about the issues covered in this episode alone, it's pretty crazy you know um, it's mind-blowing i if you weren't gonna get hooked on the show by now you it wasn't for you that's all i can say yeah. mm -hmm. if you got this far into the show and you're like eh, forget it it's never gonna happen for you <laughs> it's just never gonna happen uh, i was hooked completely i could not believe mm -hmm. what i was watching and 
to this day, I, I almost okay. I was actually thinking this. This is the children's version of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. Like this is some real deep. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't pull any punches with the reality of living in this kind of world. You know, and and say what you will about the production value. Like once again, I will get over the c- continuity and some of the production stuff just because of the lessons that were learned yeah. and taught in such a way that wasn't like holding my hand the entire time and oh, preaching yeah. to me. Yeah. I will totally forgive all of that for the story, the characters, the plot. I don't care what how their makeup is this time. I don't care. No. I don't care. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's such a minor thing. Like, uh, makeup's different. Whatevs. Like, my makeup's not perfect every day. I wish it was. I was even thinking of Bray being captured by the Locos. I'm like, oh, here's Bray playing a Jamie Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's going to be released by Catelyn Stark. And... <laughs> So that brings episode 17 to a close. Um, Thank you once again to the panel and we'll see you next time for episode 18. So until then, bye. 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 Bye.